Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. John's Gospel, reading there in the 15th chapter beginning at the first verse. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. You who are here in God's house, and you also Christian friends who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. I do hope that all of us are happy for the occasion at this hour to worship our God. And it's also my prayer that those of you who are here in church this morning, that you feel at home and that you are among Christian friends. Today, as you know, is the 20th Sunday after Trinity. If you have looked at your church calendar, you have found that there are 26 Sundays after Trinity, which means that there are only about six Sundays left in the present church year. The text that I just read, it contains words that Jesus spoke evidently in the upper room the night before his betrayal and his death. It was just before they were leaving that room, and there were the eleven disciples, when Jesus turned to them and he spoke one of these tremendous I am statements of his. He said to them, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Have you ever asked yourself just what was he saying to them? You and I know that Jesus is not a vine. He's a person, isn't he? And you and I know that we are not branches. We are persons. And therefore we say this was a figure of speech that we call metaphor. And that Jesus again was saying really that I am a vine. I am like a vine. And you are like branches. So you and I say, well, what's the point of comparison that he was making? How is Jesus like a vine, and how are you and I like branches? Well, that isn't difficult, is it? You and I look at the vine of the grape, and we say to ourselves, it is the vine that enables the branches to bear fruit, to bear grapes. And so Jesus says, when he says, I am the vine, or I am like a vine, I am the one that enables you to bear fruit. And you may say, well, what's the point that we are compared with branches? Well, the branches are joined to the vine. And so you and I, being branches, we are joined to Christ. And this morning, Jesus, from the upper room through his word, he says to you and he says to me, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me ye can do nothing. He is saying this, if you have me, if you are joined to me, if you have faith in me, if I am your Savior, then you are again in your life, you are living a life, and the deeds that you do, they are pleasing to God. If you have made me your Savior, your lives and your deeds, your works, your acts, they are pleasing and acceptable to God. They are a sweet-smelling savor. They are like perfume to the nostrils of God. Your lives and your deeds, they smell sweet to God if you have me as your Savior. But he says, if you are without me, if you do not have me as your Savior, if you are not joined to me, if you do not have faith in me as your Savior, then your lives, regardless of how wonderful and pure and clear they may be and moral, then your deeds, he says, regardless of how good and how wonderful and how merciful they may be, Jesus says, your lives and your deeds are not acceptable to God. They are not pleasing to God. They are stench in his nostrils. You stink. That's what he's saying. You and I may say, you mean to say that just because I may not have Christ as Savior, that therefore it follows that my life, that I try to live as moral as I can, that my deeds that I try to do as good deeds, as fine deeds, as deeds of mercy, that my life and my deeds that they stink in God's nostrils, that they smell bad because I'm not a Christian, because I don't belong to Christ. And Christ says, without me, you are doomed to destruction. You are doomed to an eternity in hell. That's what he's saying when he said in the upper room, I am the vine, you are the branches without me. You can do nothing. You and I may be a bit flabbergasted by that. We may say, that's hard to believe. It's rather ridiculous. That seems rather preposterous. Uh, who does he think he is? How could he stand there in the upper room and say, I am the vine. Without me, you can't do anything that pleases God. Apart from me, unless I'm your Savior, there isn't anything that you do that pleases God. There is nothing that you do that's acceptable. And I don't care how wonderful your life may seem to you. I don't care how wonderful your deeds may seem to you. You can't do nothing that is pleasing and acceptable. You stink in the nostrils of God. You smell bad. You make him sick. You are doomed to destruction. You and I may say that's hard to believe because every one of us say, well, I've got friends who, again, have not embraced Christ as Savior, and you ought to look at their lives. Their lives are wonderful. Their lives are exemplary. They're moral. They're clean. They're decent. You and I may say, well, they're even better than my life. And we may say, they don't have Christ, but look at their lives and their deeds. Their deeds of mercy and their deeds of kindness. They are wonderful. And do you mean to say that Christ says that those lives and those deeds when they don't have him as Savior, that they stink, they are not pleasing in the sight of God, they are not acceptable, they make God sick, they are doomed to destruction. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. You've got him right. You and I may say this morning, is he that big? Does having Christ mean that much? Is Christ that indispensable? Is he that essential? And may you and I on the word of God know this, that when Christ says, I am the vine, 
Without me, ye can do nothing. This is exactly what he means. If you and I have him, then our lives and our deeds please God, and they're acceptable and they're perfumed to the nose and the nostrils of God. And if you and I don't have Christ as Savior, then know this, Jesus said, then your lives, I don't care how wonderful your deeds, I don't care how great and terrific they are, they again stink in the nostrils of God. You smell bad. You are doomed to hell and destruction. And all because having Christ means just that much. It makes that much difference. And you may say, does it? Yes, it does. Because in the first place, let's know this. In the first, Jesus would remind you and me of this, that he being the vine, and that without him, therefore, nothing can be done. There shall be no fruit. That Jesus being the vine, he assures us that he alone is the one who can reconcile us to God, who can change us from enemies into friends of God. Have you ever asked yourself this question, friend, if you don't have Christ as Savior? How do you stand in the sight of God? What is your status? What is the status of any man apart from Jesus Christ in the sight of God? When Adam and Eve, our first parents, sinned, they turned, and what was sin? They turned their backs on God. They broke this relationship that existed between God and them. It was a friendly relationship. It was a just relationship. They were friends of God and God friends of them. But when they turned, what was sin? It was turning their backs on God. Sin was hostility. They became God's enemies. And that's why they went and they hid. A man without Jesus Christ, and I don't care how wonderful your life is or mine, and I don't care how magnificent your deeds, if you and I are without Jesus Christ, you and I are enemies of God. That's what sin is. Sin is rebellion against God. And therefore, when a man is an enemy of God, when a man, because he's a sinner, is an enemy and hostile to God, how in the world can his life, even though it looks well, and his deeds, even they lo- though they look wonderful, be anything but stink in the nostrils of God? How can he be anything but a damned soul? Jesus says, I am the vine. Without me, you can't do anything. Christ would remind you and me that he is the one who alone reconciles us to God. The Word of God says God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Christ came into the world in order to take the human race that was at enmity against God. Every one of us, without exception, an enemy hostile, and to take enemies and to do something whereby the human race could be reconciled again to God, could be brought into a just and friendly relationship, and become friends of God again. That's what he did. He alone did it on the cross. When he went to the cross for you and me and for all men, when he suffered and died and bore hell and damnation for you and me, that's why he could say this stranger of Galilee that day in the upper room, I am the vine. Without me, you can't do anything that pleases God. Because in him alone is the reconciliation. Only when you and I have him is there a change made in your life and mind that we change from being enemies of God into friends. And only then does Jesus, because he alone can do it, does he rescue you and me from the eternal damnation of our souls and he makes us living children of God. If you and I are without Jesus Christ, let's face it, I don't care how wonderful your life is. I don't care what your deeds are. I don't care how glorious you may look at yourself. If you and I are without Christ, we are enemies of God. We are not saved children and enemies of God who are damned and under the consequences of sin. 
No wonder their lives and their deeds stink. No wonder they are doomed to destruction in spite of the fact that, again, you and I may look at their lives and say, but look at the nice things they do. Look what nice people they are. And because Jesus says, I am the vine, without me you can do nothing, this morning we ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to believe that. It's hard to believe. He is just that important. He makes just that much difference. The difference between, again, a person's life and a person's deeds being pleasing to God and being perfume and smelling sweet to God and the difference between a person without Jesus Christ as regards his life and his deeds stinking in the sight of God and in his nostrils and being doomed to destruction. If you and I believe that, then the first thing we'd say this morning is this, do I have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Some of you may say to me, well, I don't have him as Lord and Savior, preacher, but I look at him as a great teacher. I look at him as a great example. That isn't what I ask. I ask you this, do you have him as Savior? And may I say, if you don't have him as Savior, then you are an enemy of God. You are repudiating Jesus Christ. You are not in a reconciled relationship to God. You are lost and damned, and therefore, regardless of how you feel, as you look at your life, that it's so exemplary and so moral, and I don't argue with you for a moment, and how wonderful it is, you stink. You stink in the nostrils of God. You're lost and you're damned. That's what Jesus says. And if that's the case, then we ought to say to ourselves, the first thing I need is Jesus Christ. I need to be reconciled to God. I need to repent of my sins. And I need to reach out to him and bring him into my life. And when you and I do it, you can do it right now. Because, again, salvation is waiting for any man that asks it. Then you and I can spare ourselves the tragedy that at the end of life, when we stand before him, and we may stand before him and say, Oh, look at the life that I've lived. Hasn't it been moral and clean and decent? And look at the deeds that I've done. Look at the wonderful things I have done. Then to have him say, You make me sick. I spew you out of my mouth. Depart from me. You stink. That's the tragedy of tragedies. One of the difficult things in life it's for the man who looks at his life and who's living a moral life and who is doing a lot of good things, but he doesn't have Christ. It's to let that man know that he stinks in the sight of God, that he's lost and that he's damned. You can no more live a life favorable than you can take a dead branch that is severed from the grapevine and grow some grapes, and you know you can't do that. Why do we delude ourselves into thinking that we can do the other? Oh, it was the stranger of God. Tremendous statement that he made. I am the vine, you're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. He makes a tremendous difference. You and I may look at our lives and we may say, sure, they're moral, sure, they're fine. Look at the deeds that I've done. But Jesus says, if you don't have me, if you're not joined to me, if you're a branch that you're not joined to me, the vine, you can do nothing. You stink. You are absolutely doomed to destruction. You shall be gathered up and placed in the fire. And you and I say, does having Christ really make that much difference? And oh, yes, it does. Because he assures you and me also in the second place that he and he alone is the one that gives us faith, the power to do good deeds that are pleasing to God and to live lives that are pleasing to God. What does he give us that enables us? The vine gives strength, doesn't it? to the branches that they can produce grapes. In the same way Jesus gives you and me strength. What is it? It's faith. The Word of God says, without faith it is impossible to please God. If you and I do not have Christ, no faith in Him, 
How can your lives and mine please God and be perfume in his nostrils when the best that you and I can do is still imperfect? God demands perfection. But you may say to me, well, how about somebody that has Christ? His life isn't perfect. You bet it is. And then don't you ever let him tell you it is. And you may say, I'm without Christ, but at least I try. My works are nice. They're merciful and they're kind. They're not perfect. But listen. For works to be pleasing in the sight of God and perfume, they've got to be perfect. How can they be perfect in the one who has Christ? Why, because when you and I embrace Christ, he gives us faith in him. And that faith in him, because we have him, means this, that when we live our lives imperfect as they are, every day we sin in ignorance, every day we sin in weakness, doing things that we don't want to do that are wrong, leaving undone many things that we want to do, because of our faith in him, he forgives us the imperfections of our life and makes our lives perfect so that they please God. And there isn't a work that you and I have ever done as a Christian that's perfect. There's selfishness in everything that we do he because he has brought us to faith in him he forgives the selfishness he forgives that in any work that you and I do that is wrong and he makes our works perfect that's how your life and mine can please him that's how your deeds and mine can be good and can be sweet perfume to the nostrils of God it's only because of Jesus Christ it's only because he gives us faith and then with faith he gives us love, love to God, the great motive for living a life to please God and for doing deeds that please God. He gives us love, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. This is the love of gratitude that we tell our God, because you have saved me, because you have brought me to Christ, not that I've deserved it, not that I've earned it, I want to show it in love and gratitude. And when you and I live in love, love to God and say, God, this is my thank you for my life. This is my thank you in my deeds. Then let me tell you your life and mine, your deeds and mine, they smell like sweet perfume to the nostrils of God. Take the man without Jesus Christ. What's the motive for his life? At best, it's to earn his salvation, isn't it? A man without Jesus Christ said, I hope to live such a moral life that I gain salvation. I hope to do so many kind deeds that God will give me heaven because I deserve it. But listen, man, if you're trying to save yourself, you are repudiating Christ in the cross. You are saying, listen, I don't need you. I don't need you as Savior. You didn't have to die for me. You can spit in his face. And let me tell you, that's why you stink. I don't care who you are. If you and I are without Jesus Christ, and we say, but look at my immoral life. I've got many a Christian beaten you may. And I know a lot of them that have. You may say, in my deeds, I've got many a one that has Christ beat. And you may have. But let me assure you this. That if again you think that because of this that your life is pleasing to the sight of God, you are repudiating the cross of Jesus Christ. And no man does that and lives. You don't do that. You're an enemy. You are not his friend. And therefore we ought to say to ourselves, this is something that knocks me between the ears and this really hits me because so many of our friends and maybe we ourselves have said to ourselves, look at my life, it's impeccable. It's moral, it's clean, it's decent. Look at my deeds. 
Again, they are beyond repute and no one can say anything again. Therefore, Jesus says, but do you have me? I am the vine. Without me, you can't do anything that pleases God. You stink. You stink because you as a dead branch, you can't produce any grapes on a dead branch unless it's fastened to the vine. When you and I believe that, then we ought to pray this. We ought to say to God, I want to abide in Christ. I want to abide in Christ, and I want him to abide in me so that I can produce much fruit. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then look what happens to our life. Our life actually becomes Christ living it for us. It becomes the Christ-like life. And then when we have him living in us through faith and filling us with love, then our lives will grow a lot of grapes. And God knows we need a lot of grapes in this world, don't we? We look out on it today and we say to ourselves, Oh, if we didn't have Christ, uh, I think a lot of us would give up, wouldn't we? I have a lot of people come to me and say, I don't want to live. I, I don't want to live the way things look. And you and I, we, I listened to the radio word of this morning and uprising in London and one over here in our country again. Every morning there's uprising in our cities and we live in fear. Again, afraid to even go out in the daytime and man against man and uprising here and destroying this. You go to a football game and you get out because somebody says there's a bomb. The kids have to get out of school because somebody's got a bomb. And again, we say to ourselves, God, what's happening? What's happening? And Oh, again, we'd lose heart and we'd get so frustrated. But Jesus says this, that when he lives in you and me, and when again he abides there and he lives through us, you and I are going to show that love and we're going to grow some faith. There's something to do. And the joy of it, in knowing that we aren't living in vain, there are opportunities to show love. Whenever I can look at another man, whether he's black or whether he's white, whether I like him or whether I don't, and I say, that's Christ. Christ identifies himself with that man because that man needs something. And whenever I minister to him, that's what you and I do out of love to Jesus Christ. No, God, this world's hungry for it, isn't it? That we then have the assurance as we look into our lives to know that we are his disciples, that we're doing something. Up there in the upper room that night, Jesus, he made an I am state. It was tremendous. Hits you and me right between the eyes and we say, oh, I didn't know that it meant all that. I am the vine. Without me, you can do nothing. Unless you've got me a savior, there's anything you can do to please God. But if you have me, well, then again, your life and your deeds, they're sweet perfume to God. You smell sweet. But if you don't just stink, you smell bad, he'll spew you out of his mouth. You are doomed to destruction in hell. And you and I say, I just can't see that Christ, this lowly stranger of Galilee, that he means that much. But he does because he assures you and me also in the third place that he and he alone, he's the only one that asks the Father to bring the pruner, the pruning hook and the pruning knife into your life and mine to prune us so that we produce bigger fruit and more fruit. If I don't have Jesus Christ, what's going to happen? Jesus says, my father, I'm the true vine and the only vine. My father is the husbandman. He's the vine dresser. And if you don't have me and if you're a dead branch, he'll come and cut you off. And he'll gather up that dead branch and throw it in the fire, the fire of hell. Without Jesus Christ, 
You and I may have an exemplary life. It may be wonderful that even your mother-in-law loves you. You and I may again with our deeds that they may be so tremendous that we are flattered by them. But Jesus said, if you don't have me, you're going to be cut off. You're going to be cast into hell. You stink. You smell bad. You simply make me regurgitate. But he comes with the pruning knife and the prune pruning hook. And you and I say, why? Why in the world does the vine dresser go to the grape barber and why does he do some pruning and cutting off the branches and the branches bleed and these things hurt? Why does God with his pruning hook come into lives and send sorrow and sickness and death and heartache and loneliness and incurable illnesses? Why, for the reason that only when he brings the pruning hook do you and I grow more grapes and better grapes. And only then do we smell sweet because then we glorify God and we put God into a tremendous relationship. And we make God so attractive and so beautiful by the many works that come out of your life and mine when we have been pruned and cut back, when God has sent adversity, because that has drawn us closer to himself. When you and I can believe this, and we say it was tremendous, that Jesus should say, I am the vine, I am the true vine, you're the branches, and without me you can do nothing. When you and I believe that, that if we have Christ, as Savior, then and only then are our lives and our deeds pleasing and smell nice in their perfume. But without him, even though our lives may be so exemplary and so fine, that again we are stenching the nostrils of God. Then we ought to say to ourselves this morning, since he says if I pray to him he'll give me anything, we ought to pray that he brings that pruning hook and that he goes to work in your life and mine. I wonder how many of us have actually asked God to send the pruning hook. The pruning knife. It hurts, doesn't it? But may you and I know when he sends it, he isn't sending it for punishment. We may say to ourselves when it comes, why did God send the pruning knife and take my little boy that I love more than life itself? Why did he take my little girl when I would have gladly died in her stead? Why did he take my husband? Why did he take my wife? Why did he take my mother? Why did he take my father? Why did he send me an incurable illness? You and I may say, why that horrible pruning knife? Well, he isn't punishing. Jesus says, I've sent it, and I've cut you back so that you can produce more fruit more beautiful fruit. Haven't you and I realized this? That somebody is always watching you and me. That there is somebody in your life and mine who isn't impressed by you and me being a Christian and belonging to Christ and everything's gone fine. But who look at you and me when the pruning hook comes. When you and I see Christ through a tear. That's when they look at you and me. How do you act then? Do you and I murmur? Do you and I complain? Do you and I say, God, why do you treat me like this? I'm mad at you. The man that is looking at you and me is wondering, 
How do you act when you see Christ through a tear? Jesus knew what the pruning hook was. Remember when he was on the cross? Oh God, what a pruning hook he had sunk into him. But there he prayed for his enemies and there was a malefactor, remember on the right? He'd never seen anything like that, but it was only when Jesus was pruned by the Father and it cut that the malefactor, ah, this is the one for me. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. When he was pruned and he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was the Roman centurion, a heathen soldier, that said this truly was the Son of God. This was a righteous man. Why? There's somebody watching your witness and mine. When you and I see Christ through a tear, do we smile? Somebody's watching. And God sends the pruning hook that there may be some wonderful grapes, that some soul may be one for Christ for eternal life that's why he sends it if you want to get into a profession or a work where you get the pruning hook you ought to get in the ministry it makes it interesting oh God clips you back and he cuts you down but thank God that he does because he would keep a man humble I grew up under a minister that I was stared to death of he was unapproachable and I always said to myself when I become a minister God keep me humble that nobody's ever going to be afraid of me. The reason I wear this rig is you're supposed to wear it on Sunday or it doesn't have to. I never want to look like a preacher because I don't want to be unapproachable. I'll never forget the little kid that ran down the aisle one Sunday about four years. I've told you about him before. He grabbed me around the legs and looked up at me. I ain't afraid of you, Rebner. Thank God he wasn't. I picked him up and I kissed him and I had to hope you never get afraid of me. But, oh, listen, when the pruning hook comes, to have that charisma of the common touch, Jesus had it because he knew what the pruning hook was, to keep you with the common touch, to be approachable, to again let individuals know that you're no more than they are to be a friend. Then there are some joys when God clips you down and he brings the old pruning hook. Just the other day, one of our boys in high school, he passed me and he said, I'd like to talk to you, Reverend. He said, you know, I'm thinking of becoming a minister. You know, that's when you get down on your knees and you, you thank God that with all your weaknesses and God clips you down, but somebody gets a vision. And I, I think today, and all you know, there's 12 young men from the church in my ministry that are out preaching today beyond the confines of this wall. We've got a 13th getting ready. Now there's a 14. Thank God for the pruning hook. Don't fight it. Let God trim you down to size. Then when you have to cry, you smile through it because somebody's watching. When they watch, when they see that you can smile, then Christ becomes tremendously attractive. Don't ask God to take the old pruning hook away, friend. Let it come. Because there will be some beautiful grapes. Somebody will stand at the right hand of God someday and said, I saw you in your tears smile. That kind of a Christ, I wanted him. Oh, in your life and mine, something for Christ, some soul to win from the downward path of woe and sin, some heart to cheer, some fear to quell, 
Oh, may each day some blessing tell. Sweet shall the service be. Sweet shall the service be. Sweet shall the service be. Oh, that your lives and mine having him, that they may smell like perfume in the nostrils of God. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Thank you.